Live from the Nova Home Loan Studios, it's Cofield and Company. Adam Hill is the company. Angels here. Cofield, Ari's back in our Finley Toyota Studios. Busy 5 o'clock hour. We'll talk some VGK hockey in about 30 minutes. Let's do it. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. You know, one of the biggest stories out there we haven't even touched on, and I know Adam has strong feelings about it, a Power 5 college football coach has lost his job along with four of his assistants because he did not want to get vaccinated. Nick Rolovich is gone at Washington State. Yeah, he's out. And I think one of the things that's been the most interesting about this story to me is how many people have opinions and don't actually read a story or know about a story. And how many people I saw yesterday that were like, screw Washington State. Screw them! Blah, blah, like going on and on. Like, not a Washington State decision. This is a state of Washington decision. You're an employee of the state. You had the choice. And let's also not ignore trying to, you know, absolutely come up with a sham excuse, which is like, is that really what, as somebody who sends somebody to, you know, you send your children essentially? to play for somebody, to mm-hmm. be in charge of them. It's one thing to say, hey, this is about freedom, and, and listen, that's fine. You can do that, and you can have your opinions on that, and, and that has nothing to do with this story, really. He essentially lied. I think that's fair to say. And tried to tried to come up with a sham to get out of this. He tried to to declare a religious exemption. He's There's only one man who can do that, he's, Rolovich. Catholic. Well, at least for Rolovich. He's Catholic. And, and our types. Right. And the Pope said, get it. The Pope put out a statement. Get the vaccine. Did, he, did the Pope say in general, get it? Or in did general. he actually? Okay, I was going <laughs> to Rolovich. Nick Rolovich, get it. <laughs> you? From the Pope. Signed, Pope. So, I mean, that, that's the issue, okay. that's the issue Let, let's, to me here. So let's explain the, the situation here. We knew this was developing since July because Rolovich couldn't go to Pac-12 Media Day. The state of Washington said, hey, all state employees have to get vaccinated. The deadline was 10-18. He jerked around the entire time, wouldn't answer questions. Like you said, I think he sets a terrible example for the kids under him. Here's the worst part. Dude, for what? If you knew you were going to do this, then walk in the summer. You completely screwed over all the kids on your team, your other assistant coaches who are left to clean things up. I, I like. Fight for freedom all you want, Nick. Yeah. That's awesome. But if you knew this was going to happen, walk and give the kids a chance and give the staff a chance or give a new head coach a chance. This freaking game you played for months, what was accomplished? For months and for the last... And, and, it, and on top of that, if you're fighting for freedom, then speak on the issue. Yeah. Then you could have used the pulpit the entire time to talk about why uh, vaccinations are, you know, Bumpkiss, why you know your freedoms are being violated, why it's government overreach, whatever the case is, he didn't even do that. Right. He just mumbled every press conference like a freaking young Belichick, and then at the end he walks in the middle of a season on his kids. Yeah, it, 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 those are absolutely valid issues, and, and and to follow it up, it's what we talk about with some of the some of the athletes that have been going through this as well, Kyrie, and and athletes like that who believe that listen you if you have certain beliefs or you have been informed of something or or some doctors have 
instructed you on something, it's a perfect opportunity to say, hey, listen, this is why. This is why I don't think it's right. This is why I don't think this is what I'm doing. The problem you have is the majority, and, and maybe do it coherently so that you can get people to understand what you're talking about. The problem you have is Kyrie Irving goes and does an Instagram Live, does exactly what we want. He addresses it. He's like, hey, this is this is how I'm feeling. This is how I think. This is what I've been informed about. And he is an – I believe at times he comes off come across very intelligently. I know Flat Earther, that's a weird thing, but he does come across intelligently on a lot of issues. He was a bumbling mess of nothingness in explaining his stance on vaccines. So that is another problem that a lot of people, when they do come out and talk about it, they sound like complete idiots. And and if you want to express yourself and you want to have an opinion, you do have an opinion, and you want to you know tell people of, of what you've learned, what you've been informed of, you have this opportunity. Everybody's listening. Express it well. Come out and tell us what we're missing. That's fine. But the problem is everybody that's trying to do it has come across very badly. And I think people are scared to do it because they don't want to sound like idiots. But that should tell you something. I actually thought of all the people. I thought Jonathan Isaac did the best job. Yeah. And Jonathan Isaac is, what, 24 years old? Nick yeah. Rolovich is like 45 years old. Yeah. Why, why couldn't you do that all the times that you – I mean, and you know, who knows? Maybe one-on-one with the kids he did it. I don't know what kind of effect it's going to have on the Washington right. State football players. Um, they apparently knew he was gone because over the weekend they dumped him, you know, dumped a Gatorade all over him. So I guess that was the goodbye. But what a what a weird ending. And he's a weird guy. He's always been kind of a weird guy. Number four. Speaking of college athletics and conferences and Power Five and all that stuff, well, we know that Cincy and Houston and uh, what two other schools, Central Florida, BYU, moved on from. Well, three of them moved on from the AAC. BYU comes into the Big 12. They're all in the Big 12 now, so the AAC was left with openings. Mike Oresco runs the uh, American Athletic Conference. He's real aggressive. He was reaching out to schools. He tried to pluck four schools from the Mountain West Conference. They all turned him down. Well, now he's turned to six schools to build the conference up to 14. UAB, UTSA, North Texas, Rice, Charlotte, FAU. Now, I'm sure there are people out there who are like, who cares? Now you have to split the pot even more. I, I'm guessing Oresco thinks that, hey, they're going to get a bigger TV deal or TV deals, so there'll be plenty of money to go around. The concern here locally is just because Boise and San Diego State and Colorado State and Air Force said no this time around, what happens when they say yes to another conference? I don't understand what the Mountain West Conference is doing. I think it's very short-sighted. The, the logic is, according to Craig Thompson, well, right now, if we add schools, we're being told by our TV partners there won't be more money. Okay, well, how much money will there be if those four schools leave and another one does and the conference has like six teams in, in five years? Is UNLV going to be in a conference that has like five freaking teams left, five schools left? Well, it, it's listen, Because, it's, because it's the Mountain West is just like, hey, whatever happens, happens. Like there's an arrogance about the Mountain West. Like for, for what re- – based on what? I, I do think that arrogance is, is a problem and it's bad and it's going to cost them long term. But I do also think they're in a very tough position. Like, I believe the AAC made themselves worse. Okay. I think they did. And I think the, the who – tell me out there who you're getting if you're the Mountain West. Because I, I – I, I thought that the two – I thought two of the schools that were attractive from a region standpoint – you know, Rice is a cool story. It's a great academic, academic institution. It's like 2,000 students. It's a small school. Yeah. I think UTSA and North Texas, having some Texas schools would have been – Interesting. North Texas is putting a lot of money into the school in general. UTSA, San Antonio is a school with 35,000 undergrads. I was down there. They play at the Alamo Dome. They're obviously putting some money into their program. They're paying their coach like $900,000 a year. 
I think that's going to be a pretty big school at some point. I mean, are they slam dunk additions? No. But if you looked at those two and North Dakota State, and as long as you don't, you know, bend over and, uh, you know, whatever, uh, from Gonzaga, adding Gonzaga as a basketball school, like that, that would have been a nice collection of schools. You're adding some new regions. I, I would have, like, if you're going to tell me they can get Gonzaga for basketball and then go get, maybe they can, maybe, it's awful. You get BYU back, you go well, get it ain't, it ain't Cincinnati and Houston. It, it, like that, then, then like, right, well, that, that's, that's who I'm, that, that's that, what you have to do. Obviously, that was all done a while ago. Right, but that's what, you, that's what you have to do. So you don't think there's any value in any of these schools? Not, no, I think you're making yourself worse. But I, but I also, what I'm also saying is, I think that it's been so, what they need to do is get them, get ahead of the game and get that first and say, we're making ourselves better right now. We're making a power play to be better. Because right now, you are just, you're essentially waiting for who's going to take our best schools. And then what do we do? Yeah, I, that's not I, a good I, position I, to be in. I think the conference is dead man walking. It is. You know, they're I just sitting back it. and they're like, hey, whatever happens, happens. And then, hey, this is what it is. We're just a short-term league. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, I feel like that's where they are now because they waited too long. And right now they're just wait, literally every day you just sit there and say, all right, who's going to take who's going to take San Diego State? Who's going to take Boise? What are we going to do here? What are we going to do? And they're, being, they're going to be reactionary because they have to be because they waited too long and put themselves in this position. Number three. Are the Raiders, this is a real tough question, are the Raiders guaranteed to finish top three in the AFC West? The reason I ask it is going back to the preseason, you kept mentioning that special prop that was out there where you could pick the specific finishing spot for each club, and the Raiders were like massive favorites to finish in fourth place. Yeah. Are they, do you feel like they're guaranteed they're in good shape to not finish last. This is a weird scenario, but most of it's based on how the Broncos looked on Sunday. Fangio, just it, it doesn't seem to be connecting. The caretaker quarterback thing ain't working, and now they're getting beat up on defense. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I would probably uh, – anything can happen, of course. But I would think it would be a strong favorite right now that it's Chiefs, Chargers, Raiders, Broncos is the final order. I think that's a strong favorite. The Chiefs, I still think, win the division, and I think they're—I believe they're still minus minus money to win the division. I'll see what the update um, is. I told you two weeks ago, I got them at minus one hundred and five, down from you know beginning of the season when they were like two seventy three hundred. Yeah. Um, and the Chargers obviously looked a little bit vulnerable this week. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think—I mean, I think that's where it's going to go. But yeah, I think right now you would say if you're making that, if you're putting those props up again. Like I said, all four favorites were Chiefs in first, Raiders in last. And then it was some combination of Broncos and Chargers second and third. Current odds, Chiefs are still a very affordable. Boy, my minus 105 wasn't that good. Uh, Plus 110 now. Chargers plus 125, Raiders 8, Broncos 12 to 1. So the Chiefs are still the favorite to win the division. Yes. Um, As they should be. As I believe they will. Um, But, yeah, that's a... I think those those special pro- – well, I guess the, the top two, by far the top two choices were uh, Chiefs, Chargers, Broncos, Raiders, and Chiefs, Broncos, Chargers, Raiders. So Chiefs first, Broncos – or Raiders last was the, the overwhelming mm-hmm. favorites in, that, in those divisional index props. Now that would certainly be different. Number two. Ari had a good question over the reaction – by fans and some media people to the Raiders' offensive performance on Sunday. He says, I noticed that most of Raider Nation has now jumped on the Gruden play calling that it was holding us back. Or as he said, it, uh, they're jumping on the holding us back train. Is this based on anything but one win against a team they were favored to 
uh, yeah, to, to win just weeks ago, whatever it was. They were fair to win just weeks ago. I don't know why I read our stuff. But anyway, um, what do you think? What do you think about the attack now on Gruden's play calling based on one game? It was a good question, Ari. I, I screwed up reading it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that was that was out there. And, you know, last week, of course, we saw the, the overly optimistic of the Raiders fans being like, this is going to be good. This is going to be a good thing. And then they obviously have that performance to, to hang their hat on. Um, I don't I don't know long term if it is. I will say um, one of the things I talked about in, in a lot of interviews I did last week was short term, probably a really good thing for the offense. Only because... They still have the same offensive system. They're, they're, it's not like they have to change everything. And nobody knows tendencies of Greg Olson as a play caller or what Derek Carr is going to do as essentially calling a lot of his own plays. Nobody has tendencies on that. So short term, I think good. Now, after a couple weeks, you get to, you get film, you get tendencies. That might change. But, yeah, for right now, I think in any case, you're going to have a little bit of a bump just on that, uh, on that very specific thing. And you saw... Derek Carr under center a lot on the first drive, more so than you usually see him. You also saw, I mean, a screen pass? Was that the Raiders? So so there are little things like that that you'll notice. Um, also, one of the things you know, I, I had criticized them a little bit for, um, early down play action was non-existent, and that's one of the most effective ways to throw the ball in the NFL right now. Uh, the Raiders were less than half of the 31st place team in early down play action. So... They were not only last in the league, they were last in the league by far. And they did a little bit of that on Sunday. So like things like that, you'll notice and say, okay, this is better. But I'm not saying it's better long term. I just think in the short term, until teams have a chance to you know, read tendencies and scout a little bit of the new play calling, it might be a little bit of a bump. Giveaway time. Caller 6 and 7, 364 1100 364-1100. We got some VIP packs to Crazy Horse 3. That's our home for Raiders home games. Post-game party going down from 4 until 7, and it goes well beyond Fox Sports Radio and myself. Uh, Steve Cofield will be on the scene, but we got some VIP packs to hand out. 364-1100, caller 6 and 7. You get free admission for 4, a table, and a, a bucket of beer, and you're all set up for the night to watch the Sunday night football and uh, potentially celebrate, hopefully celebrate, uh, the LVR victory against the Eagles. Crazy Horse 3 is right across the street, closest place to the stadium. Uh, they've also got parking deals, so you can reach out to them at crazyhorse3.com. But right now, we got some VIP packages going out at 364 1100. Caller 6 and 7. Number one. Top story. We have not been together on a show in a little while, uh, certainly not since Gruden went bye bye. And there was, I thought, some just horrifically lazy list about who the Raiders are going to look at as a head coach. I, I laughed at most of the list. And I gave some of my candidates out uh, last week who I think potentially will get interviews. Uh, Guys like Anthony Lynn, people will scoff at that, but I think Anthony Lynn, Chris Richard, uh, Eric Bieniemy, potentially, Todd Bowles, those are some of the folks. They may also look in the college ranks. Oh, no. This cannot be serious. Listen, this organization really likes Alabama program and the Clemson program. Saban ain't leaving. Dabo's younger. They're not going to talk to Dabo, and are they? Dabo has a reason to jump ship. I, what do you think? Do they like him enough that they'll actually talk to him as to be the head coach of the Raiders? Will they formally talk to him? And we all, we, we, you right, know, he's okay. here for an interview. All right. I don't know. Will they inquire behind the scenes if he's interested? 100% oh, yes. They will. How about that? Now, got to clean things up. There was definitely a theme with your gotta, list. Got to get a high character guy. There was There's a theme with my list. A theme with your list for sure. 
Um, and you didn't include David Shaw, who I think also gets an interview, which I, I think may not be the best idea. Well, I, guess, I guess I didn't want him on my list. Yeah. Um, I get I get the theme, but not but, my favorite candidate. Listen, Joe Brady is going to be the top of every single list of every single job opening, and should be. Like, so he'll be on there too. Uh, can I can I should. can I interject for one second? Um, can an NFL team outbid LSU? That sounds insane. They just well, paid Ed Orgeron, or they're going to seventeen million dollars to walk. Um, I'm kind of hoping LSU does what I've said other schools should do, and that is make a run at everyone they want and offer like $14 million a year. And that means try to get Saban back, try to get Dabo Sweeney, try to steal NFL coaches. But in the end, I would think Joe Brady would be their top target. Can an NFL team, or are they willing to spend more than LSU, a college program? Well, everything out there says that Joe Brady doesn't want to be in college. Okay. That he wants to be an NFL guy. Um, so you have that a little bit of an advantage. I, I think the question about the Raiders comes down to what do they have to pay Gruden? Um, do they have to? How much can they get from the NFL right. in a lawsuit to pay Gruden? Sure. Uh, do they get Do they get out of it completely by him resigning? Do they have to pay him a buyout? Well, like we're still trying to find all that out. And if they don't have to pay him anything, which is possible, yeah. Um, then yeah, you have a like you you were already budgeting to pay ten million dollars a year for a coach. That's a good point. So you can go as high as you want. Again, with the caveat of who knows what's gonna what's going to be out there. And we know that they just had a big influx of money with everything that's gone on with getting this franchise and, and uh, making the money that they've made off of being an allegiant in Las Vegas and the donation that they got from, from our community. Uh, so yeah, they can, they can afford to go pretty big with a coach if they want to and, and pay him a lot of money. And I think there's going to be, listen, there, there, there absolutely will be strong consideration given uh, to hiring a minority candidate for several reasons, one of exactly what just happened and their insistence of being, you know, inclusive and diverse in the organization, uh, but also because they didn't last time even go through the, the Rooney Rule procedures, they just said we're hiring this guy, and so yeah, that that's going to be a big focus of this coaching search. There's no question about it. Uh, but we also know, like this is for people in this community that remember when. Dave Rice was let go, which was still a ridiculous decision. But when they let Dave Rice go, one of the things that was said when they let him go during the season was, there's going to be a lot of teams looking for coaches at the end of the year. We have a head start. We have our first choice. Now, it didn't work out that way. But there's a head start. So now we know Joe Brady is going to be the top candidate for every single job that opens up. You have a head start. So take advantage of that. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Allen, under center, sneaking. No, I don't he know. did not make that. I do not know. Let's see where they spot it. He did not make that. The Titans think they have stopped it. Let's wait. Allen tried to sneak. He got nothing, or so it appeared. They got it! They got it! They did it! They did it! Yes! Not yes! Not yes! Hell yes! From the fantastic Nova Home Loan Studios, it's Cofield and Company. I feel like that might have been the Titans Radio Network. They seemed a bit exuberant. The, uh, the big play <laughs> last night at the end of the game. That was the Titans Radio Network. Really good call there. Adam Hill over the moon as we played uh, Josh Allen lowlights every freaking time we've come back from break. Uh, this will be a topic we're going to talk about a lot over the course of the next five or six months and even beyond that. 
Adam covers the Golden Knights and the NHL, and I think there's some muck that comes to the surface in the NHL. The NFL is a whole different ball of wax, and the way this last week went must have been amazing to hear all the stories and try to unearth stuff. And I'll lead to this. Do you think eventually Mark Davis follows in the footsteps of dad and goes, you know what? Lawsuit. Up yours, NFL. My dad did it. I'm doing it now. I feel wronged. He may. Um, I'm, I'm excited uh, to talk to Justin Watkins this week. Uh, I may have talked to him off the air for a little bit the other night just to um, kind of get a sense of where this could be going and trying to get ahead of working on a story about it a little bit. Um, and, and, you know, I think he believes that there's a strong possibility it could happen and a, and a good case uh, that it could happen. It, it's basically interfering with a contract that, hey, we want him to be the coach. You did something to interfere with our ability to have him be our head coach and interfere with that contract that we had with him. So um, I, I think there's a possibility it happens in a, um, you know, a legal grounds for it to happen. I think the question would be, does he believe, you know, as we said, there are rumors out there, there are stories out there, um, perhaps you can call them conspiracies. I, I, I think they're possibly true that this wasn't about getting Gruden, it was about getting Mark Davis, that the league has looked at, you know, the fact that Las Vegas is far more successful as a market than they thought it would be. And they're like, hey, thanks for getting that for us. Now we need somebody that's our guy to run it. We need right. somebody you've that never, we want. You've never been one of our guys. Right. Your dad really wasn't one of our guys, and he was a giant pain in the ass. We still, you know, people remember this stuff. Doesn't these rivalries, these this points of anger? They don't. They don't die just because uh, you know dad passed away. Dad talked about Al Davis. I'm sure. Whatever organization. Right. And so, if that's the case, uh, if if he believes that they're trying to get him, and I don't know that to be true. I did talk to him a little bit after the game, but I I didn't. You know, he didn't say anything about that. I don't get that sense. Um, but if he believes that to be true, does a lawsuit help or hurt him in the long run? Does it help him to say, Hey, I'm going to file this lawsuit and let everybody know, like, you're not going to like, this is the buffer. You're not going to push me out. We have this on record. Here's how it is. Or does he not and say, you know what? I, I don't want to cause any more waves right now. Cause I want to stay in this position. How does he feel? What does he feel a lawsuit does long-term for him? And I think that will be. A big part of the question. Coming up next, we uh, turn the page and move on to the Golden Knights. Have a big week on the way, and Ashley Weiss is one of the new voices of the Knights, and she'll join Cofield and Company here on this Tuesday. Have credit issues or need help with your down payment? Nova Home Loans offers free credit services to all of their applicants, and they have some great down payment assistance programs available to those who qualify. Call Dustin DeHart at 577-2600. Here's Alex. Cofield and Company is on the road at the Nova Home Loan Studio. Cofield and Company is back. Adam Hill here with you. Uh, nothing better, nothing at all better than the post Josh Allen loss uh, days here on the show. And we get to hear all the low lights of Josh Allen. It is tremendous, but don't get used to it. The Bills are going to be big favorites in every game the rest of the season, uh, so we have to enjoy today. But we enjoy today for other reasons, because it is our first chance 
to have Ashley Vice on the program. You can hear her uh, and see her on the Golden Knights broadcast and all the Golden Knights platforms all over. And you should definitely be following her on Twitter, A-S-H-A-L-I-V-I-S-E. Ashley Vice joins us right now. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yes, of course. Uh, let's let's start off with first, because there's a lot of Golden Knights stuff to get into, but what appealed to you about Las Vegas? Why did you want to come here and uh, uh, be a part of these broadcasts and then covering this organization? Yeah, of course. So it started out with the team itself. I've covered hockey for five years before this, working for the St. Louis Blues, ironically, here in town today, <laughs> getting ready for the matchup against the Golden Knights tomorrow. Um, and as, you know, the job opening came about, this is an organization that I think has appealed to everyone around the National Hockey League uh, since October of 2017. They get off to that insane start. They make it all the way to the Stanley Cup final in year one. And then, you know, covering another team from the Western Conference the last five years, I have been able to keep a very close eye on this organization and the success that it's had. It's made it super appealing. The entire brand of the team as well. Uh, something that was super appealing as well. Uh, so fun, so edgy. And then, of course, the city of Vegas, right? Like that obviously didn't hurt the cause at all whenever I was interested in the role. Uh, but as I've gotten here and gotten to learn more about the other broadcasters and stuff, it really has seemed like a perfect fit. I had watched broadcasts on AT&T Sportsnet leading up to coming here so that I knew what I was getting into and what kind of product they put out and was super impressed with that as well. So, yeah, just really honored to be part of it. Yeah, we need to talk about that, though, because going to some of the Golden Knights post games, I've seen – I feel like you're, you're, you're sitting by Darren Millard quite a bit. <laughs> he is a problem. You need to avoid <laughs> Darren. Say that one more time. You need to avoid – he's a bad influence. He's I need always, to avoid him? Yes, he's always making jokes that he thinks are hilarious. Like, he is away. making jokes a lot. He is making jokes. I'm guilty of laughing at that those jokes. I Maybe it's early <laughs> on, but I still find him funny. So, yeah. you know, I also have to stay in his good graces. So if he makes a joke, like, I have to laugh, right? Yeah, you'll grow out of that. Don't worry. Um, no, but uh, you, you did do a, a, a poll, not a poll up on Twitter, but you were sampling opinions of what's the most important thing you need to know uh, yeah. from moving here. What, what did you learn from that? A lot of interesting things, a lot about traffic and traffic cones, which I will say, based on the area I live in, I realized very quickly was very accurate. I swear they're switching which sides they're on, like which lanes are open and not open every single day, at least out wherever I'm at. So that's funny. The heat was a big thing people talked about. They said that your car battery doesn't last as long. Yes. Like that's super useful information. I never would have known. Uh, the Nevada, not Nevada thing was huge. That was yeah. probably the most popular response I got. And I think I said this in something I was doing with Dan Duba that day that I put out that poll on Twitter. But I don't know if I would have known for sure. I thought it was kind of like tomato, tomato, like it didn't matter. So I'm really glad that I got that feedback. I think actually Stormy had told me that in the past, too. So that might be the most beneficial because I think people might have blacklisted me right from the beginning if I would have come out and said Nevada. <laughs> yes, for sure. Uh, that is the good, a good way to get people mad at you right away yes. uh, by doing that. So you are, you are here uh, you know, on the Golden Knights broadcast. We can check you out. And it is a weird time, I feel like, in the, in the Golden Knights progression as a team. Obviously, they've moved on uh, from some of the guys that were the faces of the organization last year. Marc-Andre Fleury, Ryan Reeves, both gone. They've got a new crop of guys who are superstar players, great players. Uh, but there's also a lot of injuries right now of guys that just aren't there. So uh, what do you think is the state right now of the, of the Golden Knights? 
You know, it's interesting. It's not the state that you want to be in whenever you have this many injuries this early on, right? But on the flip side to that, it is better to have these kind of injuries now, especially these ones that, you know, today Pete DeBoer said Mark Stone is between day-to-day and week-to-week. It's better to have that now than it is to have it happen in April when you're making that final push or even in the postseason. Now you hope that we're not in the same situation come the postseason, but that is one silver lining, I think. The other thing, and I mean, you've been in a lot of the press conferences, so you've heard this as well, and I think there really is truth to it. I don't think that it's sugarcoating the situation, but whenever you take out some of your top players, everyone else in the lineup knows that they need to step up. And it's not necessarily, oh, everyone step up and go score big goals, but it's the details in the game that they talk about. It's the work ethic. You know, people were a little concerned after the game in L.A., and I get it, but on the same token, it's a group of pros, and if they have a game, it's easy to say the work ethic needs to be there uh, whenever you're getting by without maybe having that full work ethic. But then you have a loss like that, and it kind of wakes everyone up. It's the kind of same situation here. Guys know that they have to be on top of their game. They know they have to be paying attention. So you might not have your top guys, but you also have everyone else stepping up in a way that they might not, paying attention to details in a way that they might not. And I mean... Listen, this isn't the way that you were hoping you had to use the depth players like Dodonov and Patrick and even Howden, who looks like he's going to be back. You wanted them to just add scoring depth to a full lineup. But on the, on the flip side, it is you know a blessing to have them here at this time because that depth is still paying off one way or another. And great. I'm glad that you pointed out our favorite quote of the day. Somewhere between day-to-day and week-to-week. I have no idea what that means. I have no clue. Yeah, I don't either. You just <laughs> take it as it comes. You know, you, someone will ask about it every day. You know, that's sure. almost certain. So that's the good news is it will probably be getting daily <laughs> updates because I think everyone, including the fans, are going to know about want to know about Mark Stone's progression every sure. day. Uh, that is the voice of Ashley Vice. You can see her uh, on the Golden Knights broadcast and all over. The Golden Knights uh, do a great job of uh, of having their personality showcase. You know, radio, podcast, TV, everywhere. Uh, so make sure you check her out uh, up on Twitter for sure. You know, when we talk about Mark Stone, obviously a great player. Everybody knows what he can do on the ice. But he is such an emotional leader, an emotional guy. Uh, we see him just with the passion that he plays with out on the ice. How difficult do you think it is to replace that aspect of what Mark Stone brings to the team? I think it's hard for sure. That's something that I learned quickly whenever I came in. Uh, Mark Stone is a little bit of a reserved, quieter guy when talking to him face-to-face, but hearing the things that other players said about him, I think it was Nolan Patrick in the first conversation I had with him since getting here said something because he knew Mark Stone from before, and he said something about how he's just the greatest human out there. But the other thing is he's not on the ice, but he's not absentee. He's the captain of the team. He's going to be watching every game. He's going to be giving input. So you do, I understand you lose the passion, you lose those things, but it's not like he won't be around. I would expect him to be around, still have that moral support. And here's the other thing. This is no discredit to Mark Stone, but there are a lot of leaders on this team as well. Uh, You have Alec Martinez, two-time Stanley Cup champion veteran. You have um, Alex Petrangelo, former captain of a team. He was the captain of the St. Louis Blues for four seasons. So you, you don't have a shortage of leadership in this group, and that's the good thing. Should should fans have – I think going into the season, the thought was, and the sports book said the same thing, that this is the division the Golden Knights should win very easily. Uh, there's not a whole lot of competition at the top of the division uh, that they should uh, really be expecting to win the division. Should the developments of the first week, in terms of all the guys that are missing, all the injuries they're dealing with, should that change expectations? I don't think so. Again, you also have guys day-to-day and day-to-day – 
between day-to-day and week-to-week like we talked about? <laughs> I don't think so. I think there was a very big gap between the Golden Knights and between the majority of the rest of the division. I mean, Edmonton is strong. It's going to be an interesting matchup on Friday to see how those two teams match up. And, you know, maybe that'll give you a good idea at that point. Um, but I don't. I really don't think it changes much. Again, it's also a long season. So I'll go back to it is. It sucks to start out this way. You can't sugarcoat that. You can't take that away. No, You don't want to get yourself in a hole that you can't get out of. However, there's also nothing wrong with adversity. There are very few teams, if any, that make it to the Stanley Cup final, that win the Stanley Cup, honestly, that even make a deep run in the playoffs that don't face adversity at some point. So why not just get that out of the way now? It also brings the team together. So if the team, if the team gets out of this, if the team gets out of all these injuries, and they're still in a good position, then they're going to have some momentum going, and they're going to feel even better than they would have if they just had a decent start to the season with everyone in the lineup. You mentioned the Blues coming to town, a a big matchup for the Golden Knights. Uh, What is the scouting report on them? I know it's a team you know well. It is. It's a team that has changed. They've added some faces. They've lost some faces as well. Uh, Jaden Schwartz was an unrestricted free agent, and he signed with Seattle. He was a big part of the identity of that team, just to get in the corners, work his butt off kind of player. Uh, the Blues did add, though, Brandon Saad, who the Golden Knights are familiar with as he was in Colorado last season. Uh, also, Pavel Buchnevich, but he was just suspended for two games, if anyone watched that game, the St. Louis-Arizona game last night, for headbutting, and he was off to a good start. So, you know... It'll be interesting to see how they shape up. They are off to a good start. They had a big win in Colorado to start their season on Saturday. Kind of hard to believe their first game of the season was on Saturday. (laughs) Uh, It was not a full Colorado lineup because McKinnon was not in the lineup. They were dealing with some COVID issues themselves. And then last night they had a big win in Arizona. But we talked about the other teams in the division. Who knows how telling that really is. But, you know, they're they're a good team. They have those extra pieces. Of course, they, you know, have the guys like Vladimir Tarasenko. They have great leadership with Ryan O'Reilly and Braden Chen. And they also have a lot of young talent. People, uh, you know, the Golden Knights have to look out for Jordan Cairo tomorrow night. He had a two-goal game last night. He's a young kid that flies. He's dangerous. Uh, I know he gave the Golden Knights some trouble last year as well. And then Clem Coston is another prospect that the Blues have had their eye on for quite some time. And he's finally starting to come into his NHL game. He's super aggressive. So, you know, they're off to a hot start. They are a little bit different than they have been in the past. Uh, if, really, if you look at them over the last three seasons or so since they won the Cup, they've changed quite a bit in that time. Uh, you know, the league's getting soft and you can't headbutt people anymore. I don't like it. It's <laughs> <laughs> no fun. Uh, it was, it was a, I was watching it, and, you know, I have great relationships with the Blues broadcasters. Darren Pang is their color analyst and was watching it, just kind of laughing at him and how he handled it. Because at first he was like, was it a headbutt? And then they showed the replay, and he was like, that was a headbutt. It was, it was a little aggressive, but, yeah, two games for him. Well, great stuff for sure. We definitely look forward to having you on more and seeing you on the broadcast. People should follow you up on Twitter at Ashley Vice. And I just saw our good friend Stormy Bonatoni had a uh, podcast that she did with you. She just posted that. So look forward to hearing that as well. Absolutely. Everyone should give it a listen. Stormy's great. She's been super supportive of me throughout this entire process. I was lucky enough to meet her actually a little bit before she chose to um, move on and then of course communicated with her throughout the process and she's certainly been a big help now so if anyone's interested in kind of what this role entails and what Stormy told me that I should know about the role we talk a little bit I know you like to give Darren Millard a hard time so we talked a little bit about the other broadcasters 
that you see on AT&T Sportsnet and listen to on the radio here in Vegas. So, yeah, give it a listen. It was a good time and can't express enough how much I appreciate Stormy. Stormy's old news. We've moved on. No, no. no she's the best. She really is the best. And yes. I think it's something that's hard for hard for fans. You get used to people. Um, and, you know, she's one of the most likable people in the entire world. But for fans that don't know, she is still here in Vegas. So if anyone yeah. watches Beeson, they can still catch her all the time. Yeah. And then, of course, on ESPN College Football as well. Yep, good friend of the show as well. So, uh, yeah, we just we like to give her our time as well. But, Ashley, yeah. thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon, and uh, we'll see you out uh, at the games and on the broadcast. Awesome. Thanks for having me. For sure. Ashley Vice, follow her up on Twitter, A-S-H-A-L-I. V-I-S-E is the last name. So make sure you follow her uh, and check her out on the broadcast. We'll come back, close things out, grab back. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. It is Cofield and Company closing things out on this Tuesday. Don't forget Steve Cofield. We down with Marcus Arroyo, Caleb Herring, and the crew. Parkway Tavern, Las Vegas Boulevard of Volunteer. That is right across from the M Resort. 6.30 to 7.34, the Marcus Arroyo radio show. Uh, just trying to find this tweet here. Uh, Derek Carr, quarterback of the Raiders, just tweeted out, Cody with 100, w, 100 Ys. Yes, that's because Cody Bellinger on a 2-2 pitch in the bottom of the eighth inning just hit a three-run home run to tie the game at five for the Dodgers. Uh, bottom eight, he had taken two swings where he looked like he was trying to hit the ball to Riverside, whiffed on both of them, and then absolutely crushed one into the right field stands for a three-run home run. Bottom of the eighth, 5-5. Five, five. Braves and Dodgers. I may have gotten a plus $6 in-game on the Dodgers. Let's hope they finish this off. Uh, get some Raiders talking. We just mentioned Derek Carr with the tweet. He is a big Dodgers fan. Uh, so he is rooting, of course, uh, for the Dodgers. Uh, but the Raiders have obviously had an interesting week. A lot went on uh, with that team, and they rallied around. Of course, Ritz Passaccia and the coaching staff got that win over the Broncos. Uh, if the season ended today, they'd be the sixth seed in the AFC. They'd be playing on the road against Tennessee. Be a nice trip to Nashville in January. Wouldn't mind that, but I don't think uh, those I don't think those seedings hold up uh, throughout the season. Uh, but just interesting to follow as you go throughout the year. Right now, Denver, who got rolled by the Raiders on Sunday at home, would still be in the playoffs as the seven seed. The Chargers would be in as well. The entire AFC West in the playoffs? No, not the Chiefs. The Chiefs would be one of. The, would be the only AFC West team not to make the playoffs of the season ended today. Uh, I have a feeling that changes. I think the Chiefs may be a tough matchup this week with the Titans, but after that, uh, I think they have a good chance of really breaking out, running off a long winning streak. I still think they win the division. I know they're still the favorites to win the division, uh, but right now the only AFC West team that would not be in the playoffs. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Ah, there we go. Look at that. Well-oiled machine here on the program. Uh, should also mention Casey Hayward, the number one cornerback in the entire NFL, according to Pro Football Focus, a guy that was essentially written off by the Chargers last year. He has found a home, has not allowed a touchdown 
this entire season. Uh, amazing, amazing run for Casey Hayward. Uh, quarterback rating when targeting him is negligible. He's been fantastic and a real find. Uh, Max Crosby, also the number one edge rusher in the entire league. Very, very fascinating story in terms of Max Crosby and how he has developed. Uh, we will find out over the next couple of weeks just how good he is. And I think he's very, very good, and I don't think there's any question about that. This is not a knock on him, even though it sounds like it. He has had a really impressive run of playing some of the worst right tackles in the entire league, and he has dominated them as he's supposed to. Now starts to get a little bit tougher in terms of matchups. We'll see if he keeps it going. I think he probably will. That is definitely one to monitor, though, as Max Crosby continues to wreak havoc on quarterbacks across the league. Uh, really interesting decision by Rich Passaccia in terms of kickoffs. We can get to that maybe some other time this week. But for now, that'll do it for us from the Nova Home Loan Studios. Make sure you call them uh, for all your home loan needs. But 30 minutes from now, right here on this very station, Steve Cofield, Caleb Herring, the Marcus Arroyo radio show, of course, Coach Arroyo from UNLV down there, almost got that win the other day. They'll have that to talk about and a look ahead to a Thursday game this week. That'll do it for us. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Cofield and company.